Good. You guys good? All right. It's good to pray for one another. It really is. Tonight we're going to continue through our study in the great book of Daniel. Uh, We're going to look at uh, chapter 4. I've been given the section of uh, verses 19 through 27. Daniel, as you remember, is a young man. Still at this time, as we move through the book of Daniel, he gets even older. Uh, I've got a section dealing in Daniel chapter 7 on down the road. I think next month sometime, and by the time I'm going to get there, he's going to be about 60 years old. So he's going from a young man to an older man through this time. Remember again, Daniel has been ripped from his home, from his family. He didn't choose the direction that his life had taken. Sometimes people find themselves in a different direction in their life, and it is a result of bad choices that they've made, or it's a result of, I don't know, some sin in their life, or something that they have done, some decision that causes them to be put into this situation that they never wanted to be in. Daniel wasn't there because of that. It was the sin of Israel that had put them there, and ultimately... God put them there. God put them in Babylon, in this captive situation that he would have never wished upon himself. What I'm trying to say, guys, is that each and every one of us go through things in our life. And those of you who have walked with Jesus a lot longer than others know that you find yourself in situations you wish you've never been there. And you want to get out of there as quickly as possible. And sometimes God just says it's going to be there for a while. It's going to be for many seasons in your life. Daniel finds himself in this kind of a situation. But God begins to give him favor with the king. And we'll see as we go through the book of Daniel, he doesn't just go through one king. He goes through a couple more kings down the road down there. It's an amazing thing in these first sections that we've been looking at in these first chapters is that Nebuchadnezzar really is the main character in this teaching. Yes, Daniel's there, but it is Nebuchadnezzar. And what we're seeing here is that God's trying to get the attention of this king, of this prideful king. And he's trying to get his attention through various dreams, various miraculous signs and wonders. And he's just not getting his attention the way that he wants. In chapter 4, in the section just previous to what I am teaching, Nebuchadnezzar makes this great decree to the known world. And you guys have to realize something. He is the ruler of the known world. And he makes a decree that God, that the Hebrew God is a sovereign Lord. Does that mean that he was a believer in the sovereign Lord at this time? Not yet. Not yet. And that's what God is really working in his life. That he is the sovereign Lord. I believe the Bible teaches that the God that you and I serve is the sovereign Lord. Uh, Jeremy was preaching on, you know, on on Sunday. And I thought it was just great, you know, talking about that God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's, He's everywhere. God is sovereign, guys. It is God. He's the one who's running the show. It's not you and I. He is the supreme ruler of the universe. The supreme ruler. A lot of Christians have a very difficult time with that. And they can't understand the sovereignty of God. And I'm not saying that I've, I've totally grasped it. And I don't think I ever will. But I have come to understand 
and really believe with all my heart that God is in sovereign rule of this planet and my life and my plans. It's not me. And if we as Christians can come to grips with those implications in our life, I'm going to tell you something. It will build great faith in your life. Great faith in your life. Then you will know for a fact that everything in your life that you experience it, that there is purpose to it. Everything. All good things work together for our good. Does that mean that if all of a sudden, and this happened to us in our family, my, my daughter-in-law lost a child last year. I, I have to believe if God is sovereign, it all works out for some re- for, for, for God. For some reason, it is the right thing, and that's why it happened. I believe that. I truly do believe that. The book of Daniel deals with this important theme. The book of Job deals with this important theme. Job 2, verses 7 through 10 says this. And, you know, I was fortunate enough, Jeremy had me teaching, you know, our theology class. We did Job. And I, I probably read through Job about 10 times. I've never done that in my life. But I felt like I was living Job's life. But I'm going to tell you something about Job. That book of Job is trying to help us understand God is sovereign. That God is sovereign, guys, and we have to accept that fact. This section of scripture here is the second time that Satan comes to the Lord, you know, and he, he wants, and God's the one who initiated the whole thing with Job in the first place, you know, about going after him. And this is the second time. It says, so Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from the head, from his head to his foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. And listen to this. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? He said, curse God and die. But listen to Job's response. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. I'd like to say that to my wife from time to time. <laughs> I could say that. She's not here tonight. She'd probably smack me if I said that, though. Any of you know, she probably would, right? Just going, oh yeah. But listen to what he said to, to this foolish wife. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? But in all this, Job said nothing. He said nothing. Let's stand up as we honor God's word. I'm just going to read one verse and then we'll get into it. Daniel chapter 4, verse 19. Upon hearing this, and this is the second dream that he's referring back to, as Nebuchadnezzar is sharing this with Daniel, okay, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Let's pray. God, we just asked something very simple tonight. I pray that you'd open our hearts, Lord, and give us ears to hear, Lord. Help us this year in 2016 to be people who listen and hear you speak to us, Lord. Whether it's through the reading of the word that we do, whether it's through the preaching of the gospel, whether it's we turn on the radio or through a brother or sister sharing maybe a scripture to us. May we hear, Lord, the words that you have to say to us. And may they cause us to grow and to be Better people. Cause us to be better people, Lord. Not better than those that don't know you, but cause us to be a better person, Lord. That's truly what we ask tonight. In your name, amen. Why don't you all sit down?
Previously, in chapter 3, and I like to kind of go back a little bit to set it up, King Nebuchadnezzar had erected a 90-foot statue. I, I don't know if we have that. Do we have that statue on there? Or maybe I have that in another section. There it is. 90-foot statue of himself because God had given this man, who wasn't a believer, a dream about this statue. But it had some significance, and maybe we've dealt with that in the past, or maybe we'll deal with it in the future, because it's going to deal with futuristic things. But what Nebuchadnezzar did, he kind of took it as a very prideful thing, and he erected this 90-foot statue. And what he did is he forced all of the entire world to worship him as what? As a god. That's the pride of man is what it is. And there were three Hebrew young people. We call them the Hebrew children. They weren't children. They were probably teenagers, maybe 20, maybe even in their 30s. And what did they do? They said, we're not going to do that. And because they didn't do that, they were thrown into the furnace. And we know the story. It's been taught here a couple times already. And God rescued them. But what great courage and commitment it took on their part to say, I'm not going to bow down to you. That's very futuristic of what's going to happen when the Antichrist comes. And he sets up a statue and he says, worship me. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. It's a great picture of the furnace. And whether it was Jesus or not, it was, it was God who was in the midst there that protected them. That God stands with you and I when we go through our fiery trials and our tribulations. Some of you are going through some stuff right now, and I want you to know Jesus is right there with you. He'll never let you go. He's going to protect you. He's going to take you out of that situation that you're in, that trial and that tribulation. They were rescued. They were rescued. And see, Nebuchadnezzar is beginning to see, like I said, God's trying to get his attention. Nebuchadnezzar is beginning to see that this is not the same God that they worship. This is somebody who is far beyond the gods that they worship. The gods with the little g. This is the God with the big g. Is he saved yet? No, not yet. But he's getting close. King Nebuchadnezzar is enrolled in the school of God. God's working on him. God worked on us, each and every one of us, before we gave our life to Christ. And you've got friends, you've got relatives, you've got people in your life. I'm going to tell you something. God's working on them. And maybe what you need to be doing is praying and say, God, put them in your school and really work them. That they might come to know you. Ron was sharing about that man that God's brought into his life. God's working in that man's life. And Ron is there for that exact reason. To tell him about the truth of Jesus Christ. That he can bring him life. That he can bring him life. Daniel was overcome for a while. The king stated the dream before that, and I'm not going to tell you yet and stuff, but I'm going to tell you that Daniel was scared. He was a little frightened by what he heard. None of the wise men could tell him the dream again. You know, he's got these guys working for him, the wise men, and they pretty much can never answer him. They never give him the right answers. I don't know why he keeps having them on his payroll. They just don't seem to be working out too well. But, you know, worldly wisdom will only take you too far. It really will. Some of you might be facing some things in your life and you need a little bit better wisdom than what the world can hand you and give to you. You need that heavenly wisdom that James talks about that God says, I'll freely give it to you. Just come to me and I'll, I'll give you some understanding when it comes to that. 
In verse 4 of this chapter, it said that the king was living in comfort and prosperity. This guy had a lavish place. This guy had a false sense of security. And in this day and age that you and I live in, I hope we understand that the only security that we have to stand on is Jesus, guys. It's not your job. It's not your money. It's not your stuff. It's not your friends. It's not your relatives. It's, it, it's, it's only Christ. He's the rock. He's the rock that never, ever, ever moves. He's the rock that we can build our life upon. It's the only thing that's going to withstand the floods of 2016. It's the rock. It's Jesus. You can't sandbag your life to keep yourself away from those things. You need the rock. That's who we need. Daniel was frightened. He was stunned. You know, bad news is never easy to give anybody. It really isn't. I'm glad I'm not a doctor. I really am. You know, when all of a sudden there's a diagnosed, a, a, somebody's diagnosed with cancer, and that poor doctor has to go out and, and, and talk to the person. And some of you have experienced that in your life. You know, I had some melanoma cut off of me, you know, and I posted it on Facebook to scare the tar out of some of you to get in there and to make sure that you get in there and get things checked. Thank God they got it off me quick enough where it didn't go and take my life. My wife was just sharing with me that she knew somebody just recently recently that had it. He was a 40-year-old kid. He's not a kid. For some of you, he's old, but some of us, he's young. He died with melanoma. So this is bad news that Daniel has to give the king. And he really doesn't want to do that. And I love that it's the king that encourages him. Hey, Daniel, don't worry about it. I'm ready to hear that. When the doctor told me about the melanoma, I said, well, doc, what are we going to do? I had a great piece about it. I said, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going to cut it out. And I was very confident that, you know, we'd got it quick enough. But what an unlikely source of encouragement. And it gets it from the king, you know, from somebody who you wouldn't think it would come to him. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this. So encourage each other and build up each other just as you are already doing. Encourage one another. First Thessalonians 5.14, a few verses down below, it says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. You know, the church is to be a place of encouragement. You need to get encouraged. You need to come to church. It'd be a it'd be a bummer if we came to church and we didn't get encouraged. Hopefully we come together. We give encouraging words to one another. It's your job to do that. It's my job to do that. And I love that he says, hey, keep building each other up. Keep encouraging one another. Daniel at this time in his life, he's a mighty man of God. He needed some encouragement. I don't know if he was fearful that maybe the king was going to maybe take his life. I don't know. He threatened to do that once before. Well, let's go on. The second half of verse 19. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. These foreshadowing events were going to fall on Nebuchadnezzar. And you see Daniel's heart. Daniel's heart was... I hope it falls on your enemy, that it doesn't fall on you. You know, when I looked at it, I went, man, this, this Nebuchadnezzar was going to try and kill Daniel at one time. 
This Nebuchadnezzar tried to kill Daniel's friends at one time. And here you have Daniel showing compassion on him. Giving him compassion. You know what he was doing? He was practicing forgiveness. That's what he was doing. And for you and I as Christians, we have to do that. We have to practice forgiveness to whatever anybody does to us. If Christ forgave us, aren't we to forgive one another? Of course we are. It doesn't matter what anybody does. Listen to what Colossians 3.12 says in the New American Standard. It says, And so as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of what? Compassion. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, this is what I believe. I believe we have a choice to forgive, and we have a choice to give compassion or not to give compassion. It's a choice. So you put it on, and that's kind of the picture that it shows there, the original language. It's like putting on a coat. You know, I came tonight, and I, I put on a coat, and when I put my mic on, I took it off, and now I lost it. I think it's up there with Odell. But when I leave this place, I'm going in there, and I'm going up there again. Is it up there, Odell? Hopefully it is. Or maybe one of you liked it a lot and took it home. I don't know. But I'm going to put it back on again. You see what I'm saying? It's my choice to put it on. Daniel had put this code of compassion on, this, this forgiveness, and he was giving that to the king and said, King, I wish no harm for you. I know you wanted to take me out at one time. But you know what? I, I only want some good stuff to go on. You know, for some of you, you know, you know, I'm dealing kind of with the situation with my neighbor. And I kind of mentioned it last time. You know, I even called him Satan when I was here last time. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, for saying that. But I'm still dealing with it. that kind of issue is, is kind of carried on over into 2016. And I tell you, I'm trying to give compassion there. I'm trying to show forgiveness there. I'm trying to be like Jesus would be in the situation. And it's not easy to do that. It really isn't. But I'm really trying. And I think it's, it, it's, it's working in this man's heart. And I think that's what happens when we practice forgiveness. It really affects people's hearts. If you've ever experienced that in your own life, you know what I'm talking about. So it's our choice to do that. Verse 20. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and the birds nested in its branches. Now that was the second dream that he had that was referred to in the previous thing. And I'm not going through it all. Basically, what Daniel is doing here is just repeating the dream that Nebuchadnezzar was talking about. And we're going to kind of look into that a little bit. The tree was tall. The tree was strong. It was reaching high into the heavens. Trees take a long time to grow, don't they? Some grow faster than others. I learned that. When I moved into my house 30 years ago, I had no landscaping. I had to do it all myself. And I, I, I hated it looking like we just moved in. So I picked out some trees that grow very, very fast and grow very, very tall. I took them out about three, four years ago because they got about 60, 80 feet tall. So 
So that's not always a good thing, but that's the picture of what it's talking about here, that it was a very tall and a very strong tree. I saw on the news tonight before I came down here, this poor guy, listen to this, it was his birthday and he's driving on the road trying to be very, very careful. And that Kenya, this tree came down and crashed his, into his car and he barely got out alive. Great birthday gift, huh? Cars wiped out everything else. Not all trees are strong either. Some can't withstand the storms and the winds and the things that blow against them. Listen to Psalm verse one, uh, verses 1 through 4 in the New American Standard. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. There's a progression there if you guys can see that. First you listen and then you stand and you hang out with them and then you join in with the stuff that they do. That's what happens when you hang around sinners. Unless you're preaching the gospel to them and hopefully turning them to Christ. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. That's what God wants us to be like. Be like trees that are firmly planted and growing and flourishing. This tree that he's talking about here was growing. It wasn't dead. It wasn't dormant. It wasn't sick. I've got a sick olive tree that's 30 years old that I'm probably going to lose. And it's just disheartening to me. It truly is. This tree that they're talking about, it's not dead. It's not dormant. It's strong. It's tall. All could see it reaching high into the heavens. It had notoriety. It had notoriety. It wasn't just 15 minutes of fame that so many people like to get, but that it's talking about there was real notoriety there. The older I get, the more I start seeing that, you know what, I need to leave a legacy. Us who are older people, you know, we need to leave a legacy. And I've talked about this before. You know, God's concerned with the generations. For us who have grandkids, God wants to reach our grandkids in the same way that he's reached us. It had fresh green leaves. It was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Healthy trees bear fruit. Healthy trees bear fruit. At this time, as he's looking at this, this was bearing much fruit. It was providing and it was giving. John chapter 15 talks about you and I being plugged into the vine and bearing much fruit. Maybe 2016, God wants to give you much fruit in your life. But you've got to get plugged into the vine to make that happen. Don't think you're going to bear fruit if you're not plugged in. You're not being watered by the word. Not coming and getting fellowship. Not interacting with brothers and sisters. You won't bear much fruit. It just doesn't happen. Shade for all the animal kingdom. Providing protection. Verse 22. That tree, your majesty... Is you. That's what he says. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heaven and you rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. 
Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. The king is this tree. That's why Daniel felt so distraught at sharing this bad news with him. Because it's not good news that he has to say. He's saying, king, yeah, you're, you're strong. And you are great. And, and, and you rule the entire known world. And that's what this king did at that time. Ruled the entire known world. What great power that is. I think about our own president and some of the leaders that we have you know, that operate in different nations of the world. It takes great humility and it takes great wisdom to be a leader like that. Not all people are ready for that. Remember, he's the guy who made the 90-foot statue of himself. He saw a messenger coming down from heaven. Who was it? You know, when I read stuff like this, a lot of times I go, gosh, who was this? How come we don't have more detail? A lot of this is Nebuchadnezzar's own count of what was going on in his life. Who was it? I don't know. Was it Gabriel? Was it Michael the archangel? It was some supernatural being. He recognized it as a holy one, somebody other than just a human being. And he says to him, he says, it's going to be cut down. Remember, he now says to him, Nebuchadnezzar, king, it's you. Just kind of like Nathan the prophet pointed his little bony finger at at David when he was caught in sin. He kind of says to him, I don't think with the same boldness that Nathan the prophet had, but he said, it's you, king. And you're going to be cut down. You're going to be cut down. Your notoriety, it's going to be gone. Your ability to provide your significance, it's going to be stripped away from you. It's going to be taken from you. Remember, God is sovereign, guys. God is sovereign. He says, but leave the stump in the roots. Not going to be totally destroyed. There's going to be an opportunity to be used by God again. That's a good thing. That's kind of an encouraging word to him, saying that it's not just going to be taken out. I know when my wife and I stepped away from ministry after ministering for a long, long time. You know, I just needed a break. I was tired. I always wondered, God, are you going to use me again? It's an encouragement that God is allowing me to be used again. And for each and every one of us, listen, God wants to use us all. Right where you're at. Ron, where you're at, ministering to that guy. Man, you are a a minister of God to that man. You truly are. And you can touch that man's life. Better than the pastor could right here. Because you've got a relationship with him. God wants to use us. That stump is to be banned with, with iron. Iron is usually symbolic of strength or a crushing. And with the bronze is judgment and in sin. And kind of as we, as we move forward... Uh, into the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking more and more to the future and seeing a lot more symbolic type stuff. This, this is the tree. This is this great tree that, that, that he saw, Nebuchadnezzar, as he ate too much bad food that gave him all these dreams. No, I'm only kidding. And he says he's going to be drenched with the dew. He's going to live with the animals for seven periods. 
I used to always think, well, that's probably seven years, but kind of as I was studying through this a little bit more, it's probably seven seasons. So it wasn't quite seven years. I remember preaching this when I was a young pastor, and I remember saying seven years, but as I look at this now, it was probably more like about a year and three quarters. That's better than seven years to be able to live like this. And that's probably what it was talking about. Let's go on, verse 24. This is what the dream means, your majesty. And notice that. He's still calling on your majesty. And what the Most High God, or the Most High has declared, will happen to you, my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way. Until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone who chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have, what? Learned that heaven rules. That heaven rules. He starts off by saying the Most High declares. This is a king who thinks he is the most high. And Daniel kind of puts it right up in his face and he says, listen, this is what the most high has to say about this situation. He says, you're going to be driven from human society. Remember, this is the king who had great notoriety within the entire planet at this time. And he says, basically, what you're going to do, you're going to become an outcast. That's what you're going to do. That position, that great, high, lofted position that you have, you're going to be stripped of that. And you're going to be thrown out as an outcast to society for one year and three quarters. No one's going to look at you and admire you anymore. That big 90-foot statue you have out there, it, it's not going to mean anything anymore. You're going to live with the animals He's going to join the kingdom that he's ruling over at this particular time with the animals. He's going to eat grass like a cow. And God's putting him on a salad diet. That's what he's doing. He's going to roam the mountains and the valleys for a year and three quarters. Can you imagine that? You know, this next section, I don't know who gets the next section, so I don't want to get into it too much. But wow, what an amazing thing that he was going to go through. He's going to be drenched with dew. In other words, he's not going to have that comfortable palace to live in anymore. He's going to experience the harshness of nature. You know, we're experiencing it right now with flooding and all that kind of stuff that's going on. His comfort and his prosperity that he had before, he's not going to have that anymore. He's not going to have any place to, to sleep. He's just going to be laying out there in the fields with all the wild beasts. He'll be suffering under God's judgment for one year and three quarters. Why? What is all this about? Well, he answers it right there. He's trying to teach him something, isn't he? He's trying to teach him the sovereign hand of the Almighty God. That's what he's trying to teach him through all of this. And it's going to take him that long to understand God knows. 
God knows it's going to take him, you know what I mean? Seven periods of time, seven seasons to go through until he finally comes to the sense that I'm doing something wrong here. You know, for some Christians, it takes them much longer than I think it really should. Some of you are much smarter than others. I don't know who you are, but some are smarter than others. And some people learn things a lot easier than other people learn them. Truly. Some people have to learn things the hard way, don't they? My son was a lot like that. Even to this day, he, he's kind of like that. He truly is. But some can learn it very, very quickly. You know what I mean? You teach them once, you share with them once, they experience it one time, they go, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. But for some of us, we just keep doing it, keep doing it, and keep doing it. It's going to take them a long time. But see, you got to remember something that God the Father orchestrates the course of mankind. He truly does. We're entering into the end times, and I want you guys to know something, that God is in total control. God's sending him on a journey because he wants to teach him that he is sovereign. He is sovereign. That he rules over the kingdom of the world. You know, I really believe that each and every one of us have lessons to learn in our life. And God only knows the lessons that you need to learn, and God knows the lessons that I need to learn. You know, and I remember one of the pastors was speaking about this a while back ago, is that, you know, and I I, I believe this with all my heart, that, you know, there's hurdles that we jump in life, and they are. And I've always believed that each and every one of us have hurdles of life that we have to jump over. And what God does to us, guys, if you get anything, this is it. If, if you don't make it over that hurdle, he'll keep bringing you around until you make it over that hurdle. He really will. He's not going to let you just keep running the race. He's going to say, no, 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 wait a second. You've got to go back and you've got to jump over that hurdle again. I want you to make it over. Have you ever watched guys doing the hurdle races? It's phenomenal what they do. I mean, the way their legs are going and stuff like that. And when they crash, they crash and they really hurt themselves really bad. You know why they don't make it over those hurdles? They get out of their rhythm. They get out of their rhythm. Something just messes up and the rhythm gets out. And the next thing you know, they crash and they burn. And I'm going to tell you something. Those hurdles that we run over, those things that we go through and we just kind of keep getting out of our rhythm, that's usually sin that's in our life that's causing us to do that. It breaks our rhythm is what it does. We all run through this race in life. We truly do. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says this, and we're getting close to wrapping this up. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. So run to win, Paul says. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26. So I run with purpose in every step. You notice that? With purpose in every step. 
I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might disqualify, be disqualified. And then the young Timothy, a young pastor who was like a son to him, and he calls him his son at times. And 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, I fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. He's entering to that point in his life where he's almost finished. He says, I've done it. I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. Verse 27, these last words that he speaks to this king. And they're powerful words. He says, this is, or excuse me, verse 27. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will come to prosperity. It's almost like he's pleading with the king. And he's saying, can't you just listen to my advice? This is what I desire. This is what I wish of your life. He says, number one, stop sinning. Repent. Repent. He's telling this king who at one time wanted to kill him, says, you need to repent, king. You need to look to God. Quit looking to yourself. Let go of your pride. He says, number two, do what's right. Make the right choices in life. Do the right thing. That's so, so important to do. And sometimes when you do that, guys, it's going to cost you something. It truly is. Three, break from your wicked past. In other words, he's trying to say, look, get away from your self-indulgent life. And look to God. And then he says, be merciful to the poor. In other words, quit looking at yourself again and start looking at other people around you. There's people in need here that need your help and you have the ability to do that. You know, we all run a race, guys. We truly do. Every one of you said, yes, Jesus, you're running the race. But what I hope that we do, that we don't run the race like King Nebuchadnezzar who was focused upon himself, but that we get focused upon him is what we do. Let us run the race well. Some of you have got a long ways to run till God calls you home. And God wants you to run your race well. To give it all that you can, to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And then I pray also that each and every one of us, that when we face those hurdles in our life, that we're going to say to the Lord, Lord, help me jump them. Help me jump them. Give me the strength to do that. Help me to stay in rhythm. Help me to get over this thing in 2016 that maybe you've been going through your whole entire life. God wants us, guys, to jump over those hurdles. God wants us to listen, experience good things in 2016. To experience good things in 2016. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are on our side. I thank you that you're right there with us. Just as the Hebrew 
young men experienced you right in the midst of their fiery trials and their tribulations, that you're with us, Lord. Help us maybe to trust you more in 2016 than we've ever done. Help us to believe that whatever comes in our life in 2016, that, Lord, we can handle it with you. That everything's going to be all right. That, God, you will be there and you will help us, Lord, through every situation that we face. Help us to really believe in our heart that you truly do love us, Lord. That you love us so much. That you're only going to allow those things in our life, Lord, that are going to work out for our good. Help us to accept those things, Lord, that we might not understand in our life. Those things maybe that we're going through at this particular time in our life, in this season in our life. Maybe it's a physical thing that we're going through. Maybe it's an emotional thing that we're going through. Maybe it's a family situation that we're going through. And, and God, we're at a point saying, Lord, I just, I don't understand it. I feel that maybe you, you, you've left me, Lord, that, 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 that I'm just here on my own. Encourage my brother and sister to know that, Lord, you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. That you're always with us. Help us in 2016, Lord, to just walk ever so close to you, Lord. I truly pray for that. I pray that maybe you'd teach us to love you better, Lord. To love other people better. To just walk more by faith, Lord, and and not by sight. To allow your spirit to guide us and to direct us, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit as he would speak to us and guide us and direct us and lead us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to run with purpose. Help us truly to do that, Lord. Be with my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray that they go from this place sensing that you're with them, Lord, wherever they go. Thank you, God. Thank you so much for your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys.